everyone, and welcome to a B-side episode of Set Lusting Bruce. That's right, we get off the Land of Hope and Dreams uh, train, and we go and visit other musical obsessions. This time it's a big bamboom. That's right. So <laughs> I have... Um, Mike, one of my fellow podcasters, we and I, he and I have he has had me on his show a couple of times to talk um, Tom Zoller, Love and Capes, and talking about my comic book obsession. And in our discussions, uh, Mike talked about uh, he's a big fan of a certain musical group. So, Mike, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what your musical obsession is? Oh boy! All right, so. I'm TFG and Mike on the internet. I run. I am the co-creator and run the majority of the Geekcast Radio Network. It's not just me. It's my buddy Steve Megatron and a bunch of other people as well. But I seem to have the most time to do the most amount of content. In seven years, well, as of last year, I've done over 1,200 and something podcasts. Um, yeah, I'm a little obsessed. No uh, problem. Not that you're counting or anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a guy who was going to do this whole breakdown of the overall network history and how many people were on this many shows and that many shows and whatever else. And he had kind of stopped doing that. And he said, as of last year, that's that's what my number was at. So since then, I've done a hell of a lot more. Absolutely. Uh, as far as the musical obsession... I was born in 1980, so, oh God, I'll be 36 years old next year. Oh God, it's only two months away. Holy crap. I grew up in the 80s. I was an 80s baby and loved 80s music, and I still do today. And one of the bands, the best-selling, most popular duo of the 80s was my obsession and still is to this day, which is Daryl Hall and John Oates. And I can hear the entire audience just either groaning or sighing or turning this off at this point. No, no, no. I will tell <laughs> you, Mike, that this is a safe zone. We, we all right. tend to, you know, we all know people we love. Uh, you know, I had one of my Bruce Buds talk about how much he loved Barry Manilow on one of the episodes. And that freed me up to share, you know, how much... I had grown up with Barry Manilow and loved him. You know, I remember Daryl Hall and, you know, John Oates. I know that a lot of times they didn't like people saying Hall and Oates, right? Because it sounded like a guy named Holland, first yeah. name Oates. So, no, I think this is legitimate. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, before we get to Daryl and John... Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about, you said you were born in 1980. What kind of music did your family listen to? Were you in a real musical household? Um, well, it, share that a little bit. It depended. It, it really depended on who it was. I come from divorced parents. My mom and dad divorced when I was two. I lived with my mom for the longest time. She was pretty much into, you know, Simon and Garfunkel and Phil Collins and George Michael, all the, all the, you know, Billy Joel, all the 80s, Cyndi Lauper, pretty much everybody that's in We Are the World, those were her favorites, you know what I mean, that kind of thing. So it was pretty much full on 80s pop and rock and that kind of stuff. It wasn't, 
you know, it was some of the new wave stuff. And, and I mean, we listened to, I remember this like it was yesterday. The station is still going. Actually, the morning show from when I was a kid is still going. Being from Massachusetts, and yes, I can still park the car. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Being from Massachusetts, you know, every part of this country in the U.S., they have different cultures and different obsessions and whatever else but massachusetts is a whole other way of life we are whether win or lose we are diehard patriots red sox bruins celtics fans no matter what absolutely Uh, when it comes to the music back then there was a station called 105 uh, 1057 wvbf boston's uh best music or whatever it was i forget what the actual slogan was back then and there was a morning show on there called lauren and wally and they are still doing these guys are in their 60s and 70s and still on the radio and it, okay. it's just amazing and these guys did all these funny skits they used to have a paul harvey kind of skit thing and everything else they used to actually it was one of the first times before i saw it on television one of the first times i got exposed to get smart and maxwell smart because they would do a skit where a Don Adams sound alike would come in and they would be like, all right, we need to go under the cone of silence. And they're like, oh, no, the cone of because we all know the cone of silence never worked. Absolutely. Um, but these guys were just absolutely hilarious. And the music that they played was was great. And, you know, back then it was all, you know, new stuff. It was when a new Billy Joel hit dropped, or when a new George Michael song dropped, or when uh, when you know a new Super Tramp or whatever, Hall and Oates, whatever, and it was just so cool. So my main crux of music, uh, you know, by the time you know I was four to about eleven or twelve, was eighties eighties music. Eighties, I just call it eighties music. I know a lot of people call it pop or you know soft rock or whatever. I just call it eighties music. That's, you know, once I, I think it was the extended version video of Out of Touch from Hall & Oates. Okay. When I saw that video and they have the, ex- in the extended version, they have this super, he- not heavy, but super long drum solo. Right. It's just, <laughs> it's just an amazing piece. And once I saw that video, I could not unsee it. And I'm like, okay, I need to watch this all the time. And of course, back then, there were no DVRs, there was no internet, there was no debate, yeah. you know, you know, nothing. I mean, you know, you just have to, you know, watch MTV all the time. And, and back yeah. when MTV actually played music television. Absolutely. You know, I just had uh, Rosemary. Uh, her Twitter handle is 80 Music Girl, mm-hmm. and we talked about the, you know, she loves the 80s, and she talked a little bit about the kind of music she loved, and we made the same comment that I think people who grew up with MTV already around will just don't understand how magical that was. For us, when it came on and you had these videos and and you would, you would just have the channel on and you'd, you know, be hoping that in rotation you would get a video you love to see. Yeah. All right. Well, we've talked a little bit, but I want to go back to can you remember your first Hall & Oates song or what got you kind of interested and then share with me 
kind of the progression of how you went from pretty cool band to I really like this band to oh you know I'm a major fan now it, for me and this is the way I've always been mm-hmm. if I like something I'm all in no matter what right like you know you take uh, for example and again this follows along with the 80s you take Night Rider okay okay there are a lot of bad one-off villain of the week episodes of Knight Rider. And I'm not just saying that because it's a 30 plus year old show, even back then there, you know, some of those episodes were pretty bad, but for me, there is a continuity throughout that show from the pilot to certain episodes dealing with Michael's wife, Stevie and all that. So for me, when I like something immediately, I'm fully on board, no matter what, you know, you take, um, I'm not, and I ref- I just will, will never be a fan of Steve Carell in his live action stuff. Okay. But you put his voice as Gru, and <laughs> I'm pretty much all in. You know, you throw the minions at me, I'm pretty much all in. Right. So I'm one of those people that if I immediately love something, I'm going to love it forever. If I immediately dislike something, I'm going to dislike it forever. And if I, you know, it, it, there is that middle ground of, uh, okay, that's nice. I don't care, <laughs> but it's nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I basically have three modes, uh, like slash love indifferent and hate with a passion and Hall and Oates was one of those things that it wasn't a I don't think it was a song I think it was I'm trying to remember back then because back then we were on the cusp of cassette technology we were on the cusp of transitioning from vinyl to cassette and I remember my mom or my dad I don't forget I forget which one had it someone had the H2O album on vinyl I know that cover is, especially in the vinyl form, it looks really creepy because it's just them sweating all over it. Right. But, you know, back then as a kid, you know, and back in the 80s, we didn't worry about full-on political correctness with whatever right. sexual orientation that anyone had. No one, like, I was a kid. Why would I worry about any of that kind of crap? You know, but you look at today's society, it's like, hey, that's that's the most important thing. But anyway... So I remember listening to that album and really liking it. It wasn't until Big Bam Boom, which was 1984, that I really got into them. And then I think it was 85, they had Rock and Soul Part 1. I am I think it was either was it 84, 85. I was very young. I was four or five years old, so I don't remember actually being... I know we went. I don't remember... I, I remember going to one of their concerts with my Uncle Pat and Aunt Rose and my mom, and I think my cousin Heather was there. I could be wrong about that. But I remember going to one of their concerts as the Big Bang Boom tour kind of thing was going on in Boston. And I don't remember the actual concert, obviously, because I was a kid. But what I remember yeah. is coming back from <laughs> from the concert basically laying across my aunt and uncle and my uncle was driving so my head was essentially in his lap as he's driving the the van back from the concert and it's one thing I've always wanted to be able to do and I haven't been able to do it is actually see one of their concerts okay so that was gonna be my question (laughs) um so first off I want to share that for me and I graduated high school in 1977 you know, that Voices Private Eyes H2O mm-hmm. was just a triple threat of greatness. 
you make my dreams uh every time you go away which is a uh, cover i believe no i'm not i'm not complaining yeah. i i believe yeah. it is well, a cover, though. paul wrote it okay but paul young had the billboard number one hit with it actually it was their song first but because as often it's kind of like fire mm. uh, bruce springsteen wrote it but the pointer sisters made a huge hit out of it but absolutely amazing triple album and a a duo that as you said very successful you have you saw them as a child or you've never seen them in i saw that like we were at the concert i remember us yeah. going because i remember I, we were on the car ride home Mm-hmm. But I don't actually remember being at the concert. Like, right. I was too young to remember. It was just certain things you don't retain. And I guess as a four or five-year-old, I didn't retain that. But I remember we were going to the concert. Uh, since then, I have never actually seen them live. Okay. Um, I've wanted to, but I just never have. Sometimes that happens. Do Are they still touring? Off and on. Nowadays... Daryl is doing his live at Daryl's house uh, internet show that he started a few years ago. Basically what that is, is his way of reinventing and, and bringing himself back. And what he does is he brings in all these great musicians to basically work with him. And what they do is they'll do some songs from the musicians. Like, like you know, he brought in Smokey Robinson at one point he brought in CeeLo Green for an episode. And I, the only reason why I bring up the CeeLo Green episode is because the one I can actually remember the most. Like, they did a cover of Forget You, which is CeeLo's PG version of what that song's actually called. They did a cover of that. They did a cover of... They they sang different Hall & Oates songs and that kind of thing. So that's that's been Daryl's kind of thing now where he's working with all these musicians, giving people the Hall & Oates sound... And because let's face it, don't get me wrong. I like John, but John isn't. <laughs> John is almost a, a almost worse than sideshow Bob. Honestly, I mean, okay, I can sing. The guy has a good sound and whatever else, but unless they're together, unless they're working on a song together, and I hear like John in the background, or I hear like sometimes he'll like. I think I added it up in there career in the 80s there are 30 different songs that john has the lead vocal and daryl is backups and all the rest of them are daryl on lead okay on 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 backing vocals for me you know like you said you know voices private ih2o that was a triple threat powerhouse and and i agree i'm not going to disagree anything before voices just is beyond me because that was when you know because they started in 72 Right. When when they started, I've gone back now over the last five or six years and tried to listen to some of those early songs, and I just, it's just not the Hall and Oates I know. The Hall and Oates I know starts at Voices and goes through Change of Season, which is mm-hmm. 90, so 70, 77, 78 to 90. So, you know, I have a similar thing. I acknowledge that Springsteen's first two albums to a lot of fans are some of his best work, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't click to me because I came in 
with a casual fan under the river and then born in the USA. And I really became a fan starting in 2001 with the rising and all this other stuff. So I have a lot more affection for his later material while there are longtime fans that wear up and down, you know, his first two albums are his best albums. Mm. So I, I get that. And I understand the difference. Have both of them done solo work? Yes. Based on your thought, I would think you'd be a bigger fan of Daryl's solo work than you would of John's. I've listened to John's solo work and he has some good songs, but the main voice of the duo is Daryl. And that's the main voice that I enjoy. The first solo album that he did was Three Hearts and the Happy Ending Machine in 1986. I actually quote-unquote sung this at my sixth grade graduation. I actually, not, not the album, there's a song on the album called Dreamtime. I tried to sing that song at my sixth grade graduation. I cannot sing to save my life. Daryl's solo work, it comes and goes for me because his, if you watch the VH1 behind the music remastered version of the Daryl and Hall, Daryl Hall and John Oates story, he says on there that, you know, by 1984, 1985, they were on top. There's nowhere else to go but to fall to the bottom once you're on top. So, he made the decision to go ahead and, you know, hey, see you later, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll come back when we come back, but we're going to go out on top. He then went and did Three Hearts and the Happy Ending Machine. Um, I don't know what John was doing in from 86 to 88. I honestly have no clue. 88, they came back. They had Ooh Yeah. And there are a lot of good songs on that album, even though a lot of people don't like that album. And then 1990, they did Change of Season, and everybody was like, screw them, they're done. Uh, <laughs> Change of Season is not a bad album. There is a few songs in there that I don't like, but for the most part, there are songs in there that I absolutely love listening to. If I had to really pick, though... Out of all their stuff in the 80s, it's various songs from Private Eyes, H2O, and Big Bam Boom. Big okay. Bam Boom is actually my number one uh, album from them because it's just it's the album that I first kind of discovered them. It's the album that really, really hit home with me. Um, you know, like, like I said, the Out of Touch extended version, uh, Method of Modern Love, Bank on Your Love, uh, uh, Bank on My Love. Uh, what's the other one? Um, some Some Things Are Better Left Unsaid. Just that album had a hell of a lot of great songs on it. Mike, you've kind of mentioned that you've tried to sing a version at your <laughs> elementary, uh, you know, yes. graduation. Do you have any other? Uh, Hall and Oates stories that you may want to share? Uh, I'm trying to think. I guess um, because I have been a podcaster for seven years. Uh, yes. I believe it was, was it 2011? 2011 was Daryl's return first solo album in 15, 14 years or whatever. It was called Laughing Down Crying. It was. It's a damn good album. 
it, it, it's a really good album for his solo work. Uh, this was yeah. after he had started live from Daryl's house, the the web show that he does. Yeah. I actually tried to get in touch with them to get an interview for us mm-hmm. for the Geekcast Radio Network, and I essentially got shot down. Yeah, the the management said, "Oh well." He doesn't like to talk about his 80s stuff and he doesn't like to talk about the past. And I, I, I replied to him. I said, you know, hey, I just want to talk to the guy. I've been a longtime fan. I've been a super fan. You know, my aunt was a super fan along with me and she passed away about 10 years ago or so and whatever. And I just, you know, I just want to pick the guy's brain about music. I said, I want to help, you know, promote the new album. And they're like, yeah, he's not into doing phoners right now. I'm like, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, way to way to kill an '80s kid's dreams, right? <laughs> yes. And I I, I don't know because sometimes when you send requests through agents and things like that, sometimes right. sometimes they don't always pass them on. Sometimes they do. And sometimes you get an agent that just kind of knows what the client will or won't do. Yes. And I, I think that was the case where they, you know, they've, they've, you know, it's, they've worked with the guy for the longest time and they know what's going to fly and what isn't. And, you know, I just, like I said, I just wanted a chance to talk to the guy. I didn't, you know, if they wanted me to stay away from the, the 80s stuff, the past stuff, fine. I could have done that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, he outside of bands that I've grown you know that, that I've grown to love over the years honestly the Holland Oats 80s stuff is my number one go-to and right. you'd think for someone that has that band as their number one go-to that you yeah. can get a 15 minute phone in well it. and you know and I also think knowing you and I have <laughs> podcasts with you if they gave you a 15 minute segment you could talk about live from daryl's house mm-hmm. I mean, you that's know, what you i could, was yeah yeah you could spend 15 minutes talking about why did you think of it what's going on mm-hmm. how much do you enjoy going on the internet and kind of controlling yourself because that's one of the reasons i know you and i both podcast is it gives you a chance to talk about things you love to an audience that loves the same thing Mm -hmm. or gives you a chance to share with people hey this is something i love hopefully you might enjoy it too you kind of already talked a little bit about that uh, big bam boom is your go-to album Mm -hmm. is there any specific songs that you kind of keep in your quiver when you're feeling sad or wanting to celebrate or just for a specific emotion that you kind of go to that well yeah you asked me if there was other stories and there's kind of one that doesn't relate to big bamboom actually there was a time in 1990 i think it was late night it was after the change of season album had came out my mom used to go on girls weekends up to new hampshire with my my aunts and cousins and whatever else and i usually ended up staying the weekend or whatever it was at my at my uncle aunt and uncle and cousin's house and i hung out with them all the time my aunt debbie my uncle robert and my three cousins rachel robbie and cassie mm-hmm. you know, we were we were all thick as thieves and everything else and I think my mom and I got into a fight or something before the the, the, the weekend or something. And the song, uh, 
off of Change of Season called Starting All Over Again. Okay. Uh, it just, I don't know, every time I heard that song <laughs> on that album, and, and these are days where there's no, you know, 1990, I don't, I don't remember a CD player in 1990. I, you know, you go 91, 92, maybe, sure, but right. I remember having that song, you know, having that, that cassette for, for Change of Season, and there's only so many times you can fast forward correctly on a cassette. Yes, absolutely. Know? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, there's that song. As far as stuff off of Big Bamboom, Big Bamboom is kind of like my, I don't want to say party album, but my feel-good kind of album. Because, okay. I, you know, I can listen to the songs like Method of Modern Love or Out of Touch. Uh, well, like I said, Bank on bank on my love or some things are better left unsaid and it's just it's not really the vocals it's not the story that they're telling in the songs honestly it's it's probably the only time where i focus more on the actual music and the instruments and what the song sounds like because most of the time when i'm listening to a song it's i want to know what the what the story the song is telling i know for a fact your audience is going to groan when i bring this up I am, and I will never deny this, I am proud of this, I am a huge Nickelback fan, and I know a lot of people out there aren't. Just take this with a grain of salt, people. When Nickelback comes out with a song, or actually off their most recent album, No Fixed Address, which was last year, they had two songs. They had um, Gotta Get Em Up, and I think it was Satellite. Those two songs, I recently found that they made videos for those songs. And it was the first time I had ever seen a band do a dueling story or a continuation. So you watch the Gotta Get Em Up video first. And that's okay. the part of the story. And then you watch the satellite video, and that's the sequel slash second half of the story. For me, nowadays, listening to bands like Nickelback, listening to bands like Theory of a Dead Man and stuff like that, those kind of things, I look for the story in the song. With Hall & Oates... When I listen to that stuff, it's what does it sound like? What what kind of electronics, what kind of trombones, what kind of trumpets, what kind of whatever am I going to get out of this? What kind of sound am I going to get out of it? Um, there are a lot of times I wish, and I wish more bands would do this or would have done this, I wish that a lot of bands would have released their albums instrumentally mm -hmm. after the fact of after the fact of releasing them, you know, the regular out, you know. Yeah. Imagine um, Born in the USA. But imagine right. it, imagine that album instrumental. Yeah. Okay. That would be amazing, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, and, and also, you know, one of the things, my wife um, had a, and it's a common thing that, Oh, I don't understand Bruce. He just mumbles and he growls <laughs> and told her to quit trying to understand the lyrics and just think of it as an instrumental with his voice being another instrument and then let the emotion of the song carry you. Mm -hmm. And she, that helped her a lot. And so I think the same thing that can on this Daryl and John, their music is moving you the instrumentals and the the different instruments and the pace and the tempo and the melodies are telling you a story right mm -hmm. right 
is there any reason why the change of season um, actual song on the change of season CD means so much to you? No, 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 no. it wasn't. No, it, it, it's it not. Wasn't, it no, wasn't. What was the title track? It was starting all over again. That kind starting of, all over. Okay. It, that song at the time it was like, okay, I've done something to piss my mother off, and it's okay. time for to start all over again. That kind of thing. The the actual title track, Change of Season, it's it's an okay song. Uh, I think the only song off that album that I absolutely love listening to is uh, So Close. Uh, and that that is one of those songs where I'm not listening to the instrumental, I'm listening to the story, because he tells a story about, you know, two people at a high school dance, you know, fall in love, but they're not, you know, one's... one's in this direction, the other one's in that direction, that kind of thing, and I like that. Um, okay. I'd probably have to say, outside of Big Bang Boom, mm-hmm. the one album I probably listen to most out of, uh, other than that is probably Ooh Yeah. Ooh Yeah has Downtown Life, has Missed Opportunity, has uh, Everything Your Heart Desires, um, and those songs kind of speak to me especially well with missed opportunity now that my mom has passed that kind of hits home a little bit but uh absolutely you know um so there is that okay so let's say you do get a chance to see them and you know my hope my christmas wish for you is that you will get to see them is this and and i'll preface before i ask you there are um, I, I have a good friend, uh, Sam, uh, and if you're doing the drinking game, <laughs> uh, you know, take a drink cause I'm mentioning Sam, but you know, he went to a Tom Petty concert mm-hmm. and he loved it. And at the end, the next day he said, you know, Jesse, I was thinking this is a Tom Petty concert that a Tom Petty major fan would hate because he's doing he did a lot of the hits, and he did everything that he, as a casual fan, wanted to hear. I ask you, as someone who's never seen them live that you can remember, mm-hmm. you know, are you are you going to have like a couple of obscure songs? You're hoping they do. Would you be happy with a live version of the greatest hits? What what kind of concert would you want to hear? It, it's pretty simple. Um, okay. Like I've already said. Yeah. For me, their career starts at Voices. Right. Uh, so <laughs> Voices, Private Eyes, H2O, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Big Bam Boom. For me, the set list would have to include the extended version of Out of Touch with the drum solo. Okay. Uh, Method of Modern Love, uh, Family Man, Man Eater, Kiss on My List, uh... Rich Girl, uh, She's Gone, uh, Everything Your Heart Desires, um, mm-hmm. So Close, okay. um, Adult Education, Say It Isn't So. I mean, there, there's just so many things to pick and choose from from their 80s catalog. Yeah. Um, so is there, Mike, is there something that you, you would have just – your Daryl Hall and John Oates little heart would it just shout out and joy if they played 
is there an obscure song or something you no. know that from one of the solo albums or you know a cover of something um there's not really any of because I, I don't for I don't see them and I don't because I, I I've never I've tried and I just can't get into the early stuff. So okay. the early stuff is all the obscure things to me that you're mentioning. Right. And I'm like, yeah, right. just step away slowly. Um, okay. If they did, um, if they did, you got that love and feeling, which I know that's a cover. Right. Uh, if they did that, if they did, every time you go away. Uh, if they did Daryl's, uh, Daryl did a uh, they they had an album in two thousand three. They actually put it they actually first put it on the VH1 greatest hits master whatever it was in two thousand two. Mm-hmm. It's called Do It for Love. If they did that song, that would be really cool. Okay. Um, if you know, because because the thing with Daryl is the thing with the Hall and Oates concert is. I don't know if, like, I think they would mostly do their stuff that they did together. I don't think that they would do a lot yeah. of solo stuff. Because I don't think I've ever seen, I'll have to go back and rewatch the episodes. Because John has been on live from Daryl's house a few times. Um, I'll have to go back and watch those episodes to see if they've done any of either of their solo work together. I don't think they have. Now, if this was just something where it was just Daryl anything from the laughing down crying or three hearts and a happy ending machine albums uh you know would be amazing okay that sounds good dude have you checked out some of their dvds you know i noticed they did a a and e live by request or you know they've done some live albums are there any of those you'd recommend there was an L, there was a dvd that shot factory put out a while ago they went back to the troubadour i believe Okay. That's a good that's a good DVD CD thing to check out. Um, okay. It's more Daryl than John, but you can watch the We Are the World video. I remember when I had that cassette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. I was just rewinding Daryl's part over and over and over. Don't get me wrong. I love the entire song. I love all the artists on the I, song. But I hear what just, you're saying. Just hear, just I, I remember, you know, my five, six year old self. Even though I don't remember that going to that concert, I remember getting that cassette, listening to that song, and all of a sudden hearing Daryl Hall, and I'm like, wait, what? What's he doing there? <laughs> yeah. Um, which, regardless of what. Lionel Richie or anyone else says that 25 years of, oh God, that remake was horrible. So Mike, thank you so much. I think you did an admirable job of defending and not that we needed you to, but (laughs) I can tell this is your passion and why you love it. And music to quote some, one of my other obsessions, it truly is a TARDIS. It is a time machine and you hear those songs and they take you back to points in your life. And and the people and musicians we love are very special to all of us. I prefer so. to think of it as a DeLorean because going through time is bad enough, let alone dealing with time and space. Fair enough. <laughs> a, a, a true child of the 80s. Of course right. you would say a DeLorean. Um, if someone wants to reach out to you, how can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TFG1Mike. You can find uh, GeekCast Radio on Facebook and Twitter at GeekCast Radio on Twitter. Uh, it's Facebook.com slash GeekCast Radio Network. And you can check out our content on GeekCastRadio.com. Yes, good stuff. 
they do a wide range of reviewing and talking about geek stuff and who knows they just might have a star wars uh opinion or two coming up as we record this the uh we've, just we've a already few had minutes. a few of those yes I bet. <laughs> um thank you so much uh, I, it was a great time having you yep. um if you want to join the podcast and talk about your bruce journey or your other musical heroes uh, please send me an email to setlustingbruce at gmail.com we are also on twitter at setlustingbruce find us on itunes please rate and review us it is how listeners find us thank you so much mike this was a great joy for now we're gonna tell everyone to be safe and we will talk to you soon bye It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.